Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Racing through the forest, Xena has her sword at the ready. The scouts told her that an intruder had broken her camp's perimeter on the northeast side, and she was going to make sure that this intruder would push in no further. It is then that Xena came to a clearing and sees some kind of machine man standing over a fallen victim. Turning to see her, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, simply utters, No witnesses and starts running directly at her. Xena can only prepare an opening shot and fight for her life. It's Bucky versus the Thracian. It's White Wolf versus Warrior Princess. It's the Winter Soldier versus Xena. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Cavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Today's battle pits two experts in causing chaos that somehow found themselves on the side of good. In one corner, you have the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky Barnes, Captain America's lifelong friend turned equal parts super soldier and super killer, versus Xena, the warrior princess who kicked ass and took names like no one's business all the way back in the late 90s. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and... Not even once. However, there was one mention of a team battle of Xena and Hercules versus Captain America and Winter Soldier, but that was it, and it was barely described. So technically, yet again, the Who Would Win show brings you, the Legion of Audience, a premier battle in geek culture. Ray, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I'm intrigued by this one, a little bit more so than usual. You know, we came down to who are we going to use. We went a little crazy last week with King Kong versus the Fast and Furious crew. If you haven't heard that episode, stop what you're doing right now and do Chris's Kickstarter we'll talk about in a moment. And then I want you to go listen to that episode first. Are you back? Great. It was wonderful. The point I'm trying to make here is we got to scale it down a little bit. So we decided to go with a little bit more of swords and sorcery, a Xena warrior princess mold, and I kept fighting for Captain America. I wanted Captain America in this battle. And finally, after James is, 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 is pushing me back and pushing me back, he goes, how about you just take the Winter Soldier? And I said, that's just as good. Yes, let's do this battle. It was one of the more epic conclusions to a boardroom that we have had. 
And I'm excited to take Winter Soldier and run him amok in this episode of Who Would Win. You know, here's the thing. Xena and Winter Soldier actually have a lot more in common than a lot of people they think always they do. do. You know, it, it, it's, yeah, they, they really kind of cross paths. Well, not cross paths. They have a lot going on that, you know, throughout their histories that are just really, really equivalent. So we'll get to that during the episode. But, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to go with Xena is because, Ray, I think you and I share an appreciation for the old school sci-fi series, you know, the fantasy series. You know, all the way, 80s had some great ones. The 90s had some great ones. And I was a massive fan of Xena Warrior Princess back in the day. Uh, absolutely fantastic series. So the question I have for you, because it just kind of came to mind yes. a little while ago, do you think people of today, especially the younger fans of, who, of the Who Would Win show, do you think they kind of have a responsibility to kind of go back and watch the series, the the really cool films that kind of laid the pathwork, the framework to get to what we have today? Is there a responsibility they have to stay current and understand where their passion came from? This is a really tough question. I actually think about this a lot when it comes to my own kids in that I would like them to, you know, I have my five-year-old at home and I'm right now introducing her to Adam West's Batman 1966 TV show. I own every episode on DVD and she's loving it so far. She's having a blast with all kind of the over the top craziness of it. And I think it is important to understand at least some of the classics. But then I think back to when I was growing up back in the eighties and nineties was I really going back to the 1950s and 60s to like watch how we got to the 80s? No. And I was perfectly fine. Now, I could argue the 80s and 90s stuff is better, but I bet you the kids of today would argue their stuff is better than that even now. So uh, the answer is, I hope they do, but I don't expect them to. Interesting point, because to, to exactly what you're saying, I'm watching uh, Clone Wars with my kids, especially my younger daughter, and she is just loving it. And then every time we watch, you know, uh, was the Bad Batch, and we see, oh wait, the Bad Batch, that reference was made back in like 12 years ago in Clone Wars, yeah. we both equally lose our minds. It's just something I think kids today need to kind of appreciate the great stuff. And by the way, they're missing out if they don't. Now, we have a judge on today who actually uh, was kind of an expert on bringing all this kind of stuff to life. Without further ado, making their second appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's the voice of Pathfinder on Apex Legends. It's the author of Soldier of Ages, Ted Hall, now available to back on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. It's Chris Edgley. Chris, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you so much for having me, James and Ray. Pleasure to be here. Chris, um, you know, before we get into this question we were just talking about, tell the Legion of Audience what you've been up to. Well, uh, in addition to laying down the occasional uh, new voice line or two for Pathfinder and Apex Legends, high five, friends, I, uh, <laughs> I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I had an idea in my head for years. In fact, from doing all the video games I've done, I've done over 100 video games in my voice acting career. Wow. And a lot of times I'd be there doing my battle noises, my death noises. It's a soldier fighting in this battle, that battle. And I would sometimes say to the director, hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody made a game where you could take a soldier and fight in any battle in history? You know, one, one, one level, you're Revolutionary War. Another level, it's medieval times. And another level, it's, uh, it's World War II. And they would always say, yeah, and that would be the most expensive game ever made, Chris. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, I guess you got a point there. So then I realized, well, you know what, though? I could write it. I could write it as a book. It could work that way. And so I thought, all right, well, let me create the framework for this. And basically what it is, is, is a, an elite soldier who is a time traveler who fights in different battles across human history on behalf of an alien race that recruited him. 
and they are the guardians of the timeline to make sure that there's not too much chaos in the universe, where obviously you have a lot of conflict and wars, you get more chaos. There's a bit of a timeline uh, genre that I discovered. So I started, I started thinking, how do I get somebody to fight in different battles across history? You've got to use a timeline. You've got to use time travel. And I thought, oh, no, Loki came out while I was busy working on this book. I thought, well, that's it. And then I realized, no, I looked it up. There's an entire genre of people jumping around on timelines, yep. getting into history, changing outcomes or preserving outcomes. I thought, oh, well, then I'm fine. I'm actually part of a genre now. So it's sci-fi <laughs> history. So, yeah, that, it, that became Soldier of Ages, Tettenhall. Tettenhall being the first book, I want it to be a series. And Tettenhall was the uh, 10th century battle between the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings in England. And the Anglo-Saxons were led in part by Ethelfled, a badass warrior queen. So, you know, I'm not going to say I'm biased towards uh, Xena Warrior Princess. I'm just saying... Maybe her character is not as fantastical as we might think. That's all. Interesting. Although, Interesting. I was a big fan of Bucky growing up. So, yeah. I'm I'm equally biased if that's possible. Especially when Bucky was nomad, right? I well, I remember him from the 70s when Jack Kirby was drawing him and I just uh, you know, I just we we would collect those old Captain Americas and then when I would, I kind of got reacquainted with them through the MCU, through the uh, Sebastian Tan Stan portrayal. I thought, wow, Bucky's more of a badass than I remember. Mm -hmm. And let's not Very bury cool. the lead yeah. right here. As this show has is coming out today, this is a Kickstarter that you can join and get your own copy of this book. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you can go to kickstarter.com. Uh, you can look up either Chris Edgerly or Soldier of Ages Tettenhall. If you don't like uh, math or uh, words, you can just go to the liner notes of this episode of Who Would Win. That uh, uh, HTTPS code, HT th the internet thing you would do is going to be <laughs> in the liner notes of this episode. And as this show comes out, it has just over 24 hours left in the Kickstarter. So if right. you are one of the people listening to this episode on day one, I want you to go. I want you to support Chris. I want you to support the show. This is basically a series of who would win style battle books that you would be into if you're listening to this. So let's get it off the ground floor. Yeah, uh, the book is already written. It's not one of those Kickstarters where, oh, yeah, give me the fun so I can finish it. It's written. Uh, I have uh, hired an independent publisher, actually Anjali Bimani. My uh, fellow Apex Legends, she's Rampart in Apex Legends. Nice. She wrote her own book, published it, created her own company. She says, oh, yeah, I got a good crew. You know, take us on and we'll do it. So this is just to get back some of the publishing costs. But it's going to be out on Amazon, Kindle, things like that later in the year. But I thought a Kickstarter would be great because it's a chance for people to get the book early. Yep. You get it before anyone else does. We're a few hundred bucks away from our $10,000 goal as of this podcast who knows? Maybe you'll be the one that puts it over the top. We'll see. Listen, our fan base, the Legion of Audience, has done amazing, miraculous things, if you would. And by the way, the Who Would Win show are also proud backers of this Kickstarter. We can't wait. We got two books coming to us. And uh, again, yes. anything Chris does, we actually endorse 100%. Never mind something as awesome as, uh, as yeah. this. So with all that being said, back to Kickstarter. And then buy a book when it comes out, too, just because. 
But we need to get this show started. So with all that being yes. said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the MCU, the assassin who's always well-armed for the occasion, the Winter Soldier. And representing Action TV, the warrior princess who always does whatever she wants. She is lawless, after all. Xena. Unbelievable. With that said, okay. Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there's a few, probably four or five versions of uh, Winter Soldier I can think of. Which version are you using today? You're being so coy about it because in the boardroom, you made me say I was going to take the MCU live action version of Winter Soldier. Then you come here being like, oh, Ray, which version are you going to use? I wanted to take comic books. You talked me down to make it happen. That's how negotiations work. MCU version of Winter Soldier. Very cool. Now, I told Ray that I'd be using the TV version of Xena. However, there were comic books also that I found out. So I'll be using the current DC Comics. Ver- I'm kidding. I'll be using the TV version of Xena Warrior Princess. I was the about best to iteration. punch a monitor. No offense to the comic books. <laughs> Just got to tell you, that's my favorite one. Comics are great, but we got to go with the TV series. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides. Has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for The Winter Soldier. Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, is the best friend of Captain America, reborn as a brainwashed assassin. He first appeared as Bucky Barnes in Captain America Comics number 1 back in 1941, and again as the Winter Soldier in Captain America number 6 back in 2005. Bucky was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. The Winter Soldier version was created by Ed Brubraker. In the MCU, he first appeared in the movie Captain America, the First Avenger, back in 2011, and of course was played by Sebastian Stan brilliantly. Long thought of as MIA and dead in World War II, Bucky Barnes was instead captured by Hydra, brainwashed, and turned into one of the greatest assassins of all time. With his trademark 100-yard stare and robotic left arm, 
the Winter Soldier went from enemy back to friend, but never without a certain uneasiness because uttering the trigger phrases could turn him back into an emotionless killing machine at literally any time. Fun fact, the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show on Disney Plus was supposed to be the very first uh, MCU uh, show released on the app. However, the COVID-19 quarantines pushed production back an entire year and maybe, just maybe, forced Disney to change the story. There has been a persistent rumor fueled by our friends over at New Rockstars that the villain plot of the show was that they were trying to hoard vaccines and release a major virus on the world in that show. With COVID-19 literally changing the world during production of that show, the rumor goes that this entire storyline was completely cut and rewritten around Jigsaw style, uh, rewritten around that void. And this would explain why the show felt a little disjointed throughout, right? However, there has not been an official confirmation that this is what happened. Either way, go check out the video essay on that new Rockstars uh, channel that they put out. It is pretty convincing. And that is The Winter Soldier. Don't you hate it when you've got a script and, you know, production's running really smoothly and then all of a sudden, I don't know, uh, a pandemic just breaks out that somehow mirrors the plot of your entire show that you're trying to launch for the cinematic universe on a new app that has billions of dollars riding on it? It's crazy. I hate it when one, that happens. One day you're hanging out with Chris Edgerly at Respawn Studios. The next day you're working from home for the entirety of your time with the company. Who knows? The world's a crazy place. All right, well done right now. Here are the details for Xena. Xena the Warrior Princess is a central character from the television series Xena Warrior Princess, oddly enough, which aired from 1995 to 2001 and was created by John Shulian and Robert Tapert. The character, portrayed by Lucy Lawless, is a redeemed warlord on a quest for redemption for her past sins. Xena hails from the fictional town of Amphipolis in Thrace, which is modern Greece, and travels the ancient world to help those in need using her formidable combat skills and tactical acumen. Xena's past is filled with darkness and brutality, as she once led a notorious army that spread terror across the lands. Throughout the series, Xena battles numerous foes, both mortal and divine, driven by her newfound desire for justice. Xena's character is really complex and multifaceted, filled with courage, compassion, and inner strength, but also marked by guilt and sadness for her past atrocities. Over the course of a series, Xena's quest for redemption allows her to confront her past, make amends, and strive to create a better future. And if you're wondering, yes, I wrote all of those words in that order. And here's an interesting fact about Xena. Do you know that she was supposed to meet Wonder Woman? It's true. Corporate Red Tape would never allow these two to meet on screen, but they came close when DC entered an agreement with Dark Horse Comics, publishers of Xena's Illustrated Adventures at the time, to produce a crossover. According to writer Bo Smith, the project was written and partially drawn before DC decided Xena's cancellation in 2001 would have lessened interest. The project was scrapped. However, Lawless later voiced Wonder Woman from a 2008 animated Justice League movie, so in a weird way, I guess they kind of did meet after all. And now you have the facts on both opponents, Chris, do you have any questions before we get started? No, um, I think we've got, uh, I, I don't know, I think we've got a pretty even matchup here so far. I mean, last time when I was doing Hit uh, Hitman and Kingpin, I thought, oh, I, Kingpin's got this sewn up. I mean, this is going to be a walk in the park. And I got turned on that. This one, I, I, I can't see anyone having an edge right now. Interesting. I love it when uh, we kind of start off on an even playing field race to Canis. Just make a note of that. All right. Ray, with that being said, hit us for your point number one. Don't worry about it, James. You can't fight against the Fast and Furious crew every week, or can you? 
Point number one for MCU Winter Soldier. Let's talk about some of his ninja skills because this is a guy who moves and kills with great subtlety. He's able to kill uh, effortlessly, right? He's taking his pistol. He's turning it. He's not even looking where he's shooting and he's blowing people's heads off, right? We saw that in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, like opening scene of that show when he was going through to hit, hit and kill one of his targets. He's also got phenomenal reflexes. This isn't just some hulking cyborg. This is an athlete. This is a guy who can move. This is a guy who can jump and spin and and just knows how to use the terrain to his advantage, right? Remember this. He fought an entire SWAT team in the hallway of his apartment building, right? How did he get through them? Yeah, he beat his way through them. And that started by what? Punching through a wall to knock a guy out to start the battle. And then what? Kicking a table to block off an entire hallway? This is a very strong character, a very smart character, a very tactical character, right? At one point, I saw him 300 kick a guy. You know, that straight up kick where the guy goes in the pit in 300. He did that to a soldier, knocked him like 100 yards backwards and up in the air and into the generator of a helicarrier, blowing it out of the sky. This guy is dealing with a strength and that wasn't his robot this. That was just his natural ability, right? We saw him run out of a facility in Falcon and Winter Soldier and catch up to a a couple of trucks that were on like what, uh, the road leading out of town. They were going full speed. He just busts into a dead sprint. He was able to catch up to those trucks on foot. So his foot speed is incredible. His movement speed is incredible. This is a guy who, to my knowledge, isn't supposed to necessarily have super speed, but trying to watch him fight Captain America in a couple of the battles to prepare for this, I had a hard time like keeping my eyes going. It was faster than my eyes could see. Maybe I'm blind. I don't know. Probably. At one point, he grabbed Black Panther by the throat when he was riding his motorbike and Black Panther tried to jump at him. He turns backwards and grabs Black Panther, of all people, by the throat and then eventually knocked him off of his bike while racing through a tunnel. Black Panther, of course, with the vibranium armor, he could take all kinds of energy. Didn't matter when Winter Soldier hit him and knocked him clean across an entire garage. He fought Captain America. He's a great fighter, right? He's as good as Captain America in fighting. It sure seems to be because they go back and forth a lot when they go 1v1. At one point, I saw him disarm Captain America's shield from him and then throw it back at him. You take the shield away from Cap, and I know you got some hand-to-hand skills. He also could like land from anything. He jumped off of an overpass, right? Landed on top of a car, kept going as if that's no big deal. He once uh, yoinked a motorcycle that was going one way. He grabbed the drug motorcycle out from under the guy, turned it around and just took it off in another direction. Strength off the charts. He jumped onto a car, ripped down through the windshield and ripped the steering wheel out in order to defeat those people. He flipped Black Widow, who was garroting him at the time, off and onto a car. He's also durable to finish up here. He's held his own in fights against Iron Man. Falcon, Captain America, Black Panther, Spider-Man, and won some of those fights as well. Usually he's fighting to get away, so it's hard to really tell because he's trying to escape the battle as his victory condition. So, you know, it's a little bit tough to say, but he has held his own against all of the greats of the MCU. And Flag Smashers, these are people who injected themselves a super soldier serum. He fought a whole pile of them, no problem. He beat US Agent up really, really good when they were fighting. He had the super serum. And one point he no look caught a spear and we talked about the, uh, we talked about the jumping off the overpass. He jumped out of a plane with no parachute and just landed real hard and then got up and kept going. What is Xena going to do? That's going to keep this guy down. He's too fast, 
too skilled, too strong, and he's going to absolutely run her through the ringer. And that's my point number one. I feel really bad about what I'm going to do with my rebuttal right here because I love this character of Winter Soldier, uh, portrayed brilliantly, by the way. Okay, first of all, you say he's a nin- he's got ninja skills. Look, let's face it. You know, I'm an MMA guy, so I love watching fighting skills and kind of breaking it all down. He is super effective when he's taking on opponents who are in his power level or lower. When he took on Spider-Man that first time, that was with, you know, the Falcon by his side. They both got kind of, you know, manhandled by Spider-Man, especially Winter Soldier. So when he takes on someone who's more powerful, what have you, what have you, he's kind of always, uh, he needs some help to take him on, which is exactly what had to happen with Iron Man. Remember, Captain America was by his side, and Iron Man's kind of like saying, I got to bring you in. You know, he was kind of not fighting at full capacity. This is something very different from Xena. When she takes on people, she's always taking on people way more powerful than her and overcoming them because she finds ways to win. On top of that, saying he's Captain America class, you know, he's equal to Captain America in terms of fighting. I'll give you this, Ray. He's Captain America class in terms of fighting. He's not equal to Captain America. Captain America definitely edges him out a whole lot. Again, I'll reference that battle that Captain America had with Spider-Man where he, uh, you know, got Spider-Man to, uh, you know, in that weird position where he had to hold that thing, that air part piece that fell on him. Spider-Man had to hold it up. And he's like, hey, where are you from, kid? And they have that cool exchange. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Queens, what have you. You know, this is kind of a different character than Captain America altogether. But let me get to my point number one. And my point number one, I'm going to kind of take a different tact on this. Let's talk about the weapons that Xena uses. Because when I think about Xena, about all the cool things she can do, the fight she has, I keep thinking of that iconic weapon or the weapon she has. Now, to put it mildly, Xena is a weapons master. Put anything in her hands, she's going to know how to kill you with it real, real bad. And if she doesn't have a weapon per se, she's going to grab anything around her and make a weapon out of it. She's done that many times on the show. But her iconic weapons, the chakram, this is awesome. It's that iconic weapon she has. It's that circular throwing weapon with a sharp outer edge. She's super accurate with it. She can also, when she throws it, she can ricochet it off whatever she needs to. It'll bounce right back to her hand. She'll use it for offense and defense, slicing people's necks with it because she's just awesome, deflecting projectiles coming at her. She often uses this in combat in every way you can think of. And she also ricochets this off the people beautifully. She can ricochet it off 10 people, you know, throw it. It knocks out 10 people at a time, bounces off something else, and comes back to her hand. She's beyond an expert at using it. Now, the really cool part is she's had an upgrade to a shock run where she throws it. It actually splits in two. So now there's two circles that kind of go out and hit whatever they're going to do. This is a crazy weapon. Of course, she's got her sword. She's got a number of swords throughout the, se- the series, but here's the undeniable fact. She's known as the greatest swords person and user of a sword in her world. That is beyond a shadow of a doubt. Better than Hercules, better than Ares, the god of war. No, if you put a sword in anyone's hand and you're like, I need someone to affect with this, you give it to Xena. She's also got a dagger. Now, why is that important? Because she's a master of close in combat as well. And if you're going to fight in close with someone who's going to try to draw you in close, got to bring a knife to this fight. And she is great at using that as well. And finally, she's got a whip. Now, the whip is used a whole bunch of different ways. She can use this whip as both a weapon and a means of like kind of Indiana Jones or Batmaning her way across like a, you know, a one area to another. She's used it to help get up to a higher level. And the cool part about this, on top of, again, using it as a weapon, she's used it to tie up opponents and completely keep them bound up, which is something that happened to Winter Soldier when he took on Spider-Man. Remember, his webbing took him out of the fight completely. Now, in terms of some of the feats she's accomplished with her weapons, she decapitated a kaiju-sized supernatural dragon with her sword. She cut a god in two, like at the midsection. 
Her weapon skills even enabled her to defeat an entire Roman battalion that had over 400 men in it attacking her all at once. And by the way, she killed most of them, if not all of them. So she has ranged weapons with her shock drum. She can fight up close and personal with a sword and dagger. She can use her whip to both take out someone, swing out of danger Batman style, and then tie them up Zorro style. This is a crazy person who is super effective with weapons. All of that is my point number one. Look, I, I'm really a big fan of Xena Warrior Princess. It is a TV show. That and Hercules, given that it's the Robert Tappert, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell crew that made it, which I'm a huge fan of going back a long time, I should have been a bigger fan of those shows than I was back in the day. Uh, but I wasn't. So I had to do a lot of catch up to do this battle. Look, you said yourself, James, you undercut your own argument. You said Winter Soldier uh, is great against people equal to his power level or below, but not above. And then you proceed to tell me that Xena fights people above her power level all the time. That implies that she's at Winter Soldier's power level or below, at which point Winter Soldier is good against her, according to your own logic. So uh, knock you down right there. I watched a whole battle, Hercules versus Xena, the first time that those two fought. Hercules and Xena were fighting. Hercules got knocked to the ground. Xena took her sword and tried to hack him with it. And with his bare hands, he clapped them together and caught the sword before it could hit him. If she's such a great swordsman, if she's so powerful, why could he catch her sword with his bare hands and suffer no damage from it whatsoever? And last thing, I also watched a fight, Xena versus Tataka. The thing about Xena is she's very powerful. She has some wonderful athletic feats, but she is very slow in combat. I watched Cap and Bucky fight, and it's zip, 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 knife, throw, drop knife, spin. Huh. And I watched Xena fight Tataka, and it's a plotting. I'm going to throw a punch. I'm going to get hit by a punch. I'm going to get knocked down. I'm going to kip up. And it's just, and I know that they're trying to pad for television. Don't get me wrong. It's just a different speed of fighter. Interesting points, um, especially, you know, fighting a, a demigod like Hercules, catching that's not a huge feat. But with that being said, not a big uh, deal. Chris, you've heard one point from both Ray. <laughs> Chris, you've heard a point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? I would have been edging towards Bucky, the Winter Soldier, until you told me Xena cut a god in half. And I thought, well, that's a thing. I mean, that is certainly something. I also, uh, Ray, I understand your point you're making uh, about James's point that Bucky, uh, Winter Soldier, only does well against people at his level or below. And if Xena's fighting him, does that not mean that he would at least be at her level? Well, not necessarily. She fought a Roman legion. Most of those guys wouldn't be at her level. So I think that point uh, that James makes still stands. However, I will say that the reason why Hercules could stop Xena's attack is because he's a demigod, is he not? I mean, well, he's a hero, but doesn't he, isn't he kind of a cut above mortal? So, hmm. Right now, it's it's really hard to choose, but I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna edge towards Xena for the old cut in the god in half. Interesting. Okay, I like how you're thinking about all of this, uh, especially since you uh, downplayed all of Ray's uh, rebuttal points. All right, Ray, <laughs> I know you're not out of this fight. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. No, I just want to start by saying, does she slice gods in half or not? You say, oh, I'm really impressed she sliced the god in half. Here is a demigod who caught her sword, and you say, well, he's a demigod. Of course he can catch her sword. So which is it, I guess, is the question. She can either do it or she can't. You can't take both halves of the sandwich and eat them separately. That's all I'm trying to say. That's an expression I just made up. I think it works. Let's talk about the fact that Bucky is a cyborg killer. He has this metallic arm. 
which means he has super strength. This is a guy who had Captain America's shield thrown right at him. He turned right around with his great reflexes and caught the shield in midair, and it didn't push him backwards even a little bit. This is an incredible amount of strength. If he hits you, it's it, it, you're done. This is a guy who punches and cracks cement when he misses. He cracks stone pillars. He dents metal. He broke, you know, he broke a, a, a piece off a pillar in one of those fights I was referencing earlier just by missing a punch. So when he hits you, he only needs to hit you one time, and that's going to knock you all the way down, right? He's also got increased durability as a direct result of this uh, shield. He can block bullets with it almost at will. It seems crazy, but a guy was shooting an assault rifle. He just ran up with his arm forward and just like, you know, a Wonder Woman's like bracelets. He was just knocking all the bullets aside as he charged up. Now, this is my point. If, if Kevin Sorbo can catch your sword, surely Bucky's metallic arm as a defensive weapon can parry your sword and block it all day long without really causing a whole lot of trouble. He's also more durable because of it, uh, a flag smasher. One of these guys that uh, in the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show boosted with super serum jumped off the roof of a construction site with an entire steel girder and brought it down with that force onto Winter Soldier who just lifted his arm and was able to block that. That is a lot of power and a lot of weight coming down for you to just hold up your arm and say, got this. This is, his defense is going to be off the chain is what I'm saying. He once walked over and ripped, remember that Nick Fury car that took all the bullets and had the machine gun shooting at the window for like 10 straight minutes and he couldn't get out? Remember that uh, when the thing was flipped over, Bucky just had to walk up and then very nonchalantly ripped the door off the hinges with his metallic arm and threw it across the street. A level of strength that perhaps Xena in her fights is not necessarily used to being a part of. He smashed Captain America, another durable character, through an elevator door and down a shaft. Like, he's, he's just tearing through. The, a terrain doesn't exist when Winter Soldier is there because he's putting you through it time and time and time again. And the Iron Man feat. You talked about how him and Cap fought against Iron Man at the end of, what, the Civil War movie? Which is great until you remember that there was a point when Captain America was down and using his bare hand, his not metallic one, he was able to hold and pin Iron Man to the wall with his not metallic hand and then rip out the arc reactor with the metallic hand as well. The level of strength and the guts to go in and do that without Captain America helping him in that moment, pretty big deal. And I mentioned the fighting skills before. I just think he's a better trained fighter than Xena, just overall, because I've watched both of them fight and he demonstrates that a lot more than she does in her battles. Here's a guy who was trained first by the US Army to go fight in World War II, and then over the course of decades as a Hydra sleeper cell agent, was trained how to how to fight. Again, the knife fight with Captain America was so fast, I could barely follow it, and I had to watch it like five times to get the nuance of it. And the last thing I want to talk about here, he's such a great fighter that remember the moment when he had to fight Tony Stark, Black Widow, Black Panther, and a host of other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in a lunchroom. And he was able to get through all of them at the same time. I think if you put Xena in a room, a small fighting area against Tony Stark, Black Widow, Black Panther, and a host of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, I don't know that she's coming out of that situation without being captured. But Bucky did. And that's important. And that's my point number two. So I don't know if you remember this, Ray, but I felt really bad about what my rebuttal was for point number one. I'm going to feel even worse right now. If I haven't mentioned it, I love this character. I really, really do. But 
Look, first of all, when you say that, you know, uh, Winter Soldier cracks cement, breaks pillars, dents metal, that's all things Xena can do and has done on many, many occasions. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying, okay, Xena can do that too. Uh, let's see, Winter Soldier hits super hard. Yeah, Xena has been hit by gods, by titans, which are bigger than kaijus, and by, I'm going to say it, Hercules, who's one of those powerful people in that whole series, and she's tanked all of that. Now, I'm not saying Bucky hits as hard or Winter Soldier hits as hard as gods and Hercules, whatever, but I do appreciate he hits really hard. And guess what? Xena will take it because she's done it before and gotten up and kept on fighting. And finally, in the lunchroom scene, was he really trying to kill or defeat those characters or was he trying to escape from them and get out of there using some really high levels of force? I think he was trying to escape. Remember, Winter Soldier, is he a better fighter or is he a better assassin, you know, slash killer? I think he's a better assassin, which means it's hit and run, hit from afar, don't stay for a long time. Can he do that? Sure. He's a great fighter, but he's a better assassin. And the only problem with that is if there's one person who can outdo him in the assassin game, it's Xena. Now, let me talk about my point number two. I want to refer to Xena's overall physicality. So I know this is kind of weird. Xena has implied powers or high levels of physical so during the xena series i'm not sure it was ever clearly stated that xena had superpowers but you go through some specific episodes it's very clear that she does evidently she has super strength i scoured the internet for this i saw a whole bunch of places that were stating it i got some proof she's often described as having the strength of many men in terms of her more routine feats she has effortlessly defeated superhuman beings in arm wrestling swung her friend gabrielle and hurled her 10 to 15 feet to safety with one arm when both were hanging off of a cliff top cliff top and when in a gladi gladiatorial arena in Rome, she grabbed her opponent's horse by the reins, dragged down both the horse and the rider as if it was nothing. Just grabbed the horse, boom, on the ground. Didn't like seeing that done to a horse, by the way. Points deducted for that, but it, that's a powerful feat. In a display of explosive uh, power, she bull rushed and overpowered six soldiers, and she's even snapped large and very thick chains that were around binding her at the time. That's crazy. Now, here's a fun quote from someone who wasn't too pleased at how powerful Xena really was. It's from Kevin Sorb the actor who played Hercules, and he said, I never understood, it's a direct quote, I never understood why they made her, Xena, actually more powerful than Hercules. Interesting. Hercules is supposed to be the strongest person in the world and a half god, and here Xena was able to do everything Hercules can do and more. So she was able to somewhat match Hercules, even outdo him in some instances. I don't think it was about strength, but overall power accomplishments, maybe it was. In terms of durability, she endures cuts, stabs, crazy powerful attacks from super powerful beings, even has to tank physical punishment from gods. I already mentioned that. She's beyond superhuman in terms of durability, and that doesn't include how Xena survives falls from crazy heights. She's also got super quick reflexes, amazing agility. She's only flipping numerous times in the air as she's fighting to gain a positional advantage over an opponent. In terms of fighting style... She, she was beyond a hand-to-hand -hand combat master. She used a mix of strikes, kicks, and grappling techniques. She put it all together. She used her agility and flexibility. I already talked about that. Acrobatic flips, spins, rolls. She could evade attacks and then all of a sudden hit you while she's evading. She surprised opponents, gain advantageous positions. She's always thinking of how to get a better position and outmaneuver her opponent. She's best because she's got this strategic and tactical approach. We've seen this a million times with Xena. She's not just a skilled fighter. She was also a strategic thinker. She knows how to assess her opponent's weaknesses and then figure out how to exploit their vulnerabilities and devise tactics on the spot. That was actually my favorite part of the show when she's fighting someone or a group of people and she's like thinking as she's fighting, got it, I know what to do, I know how to position them, I'm getting the win here. She does it. And by the way, there's no type of terrain that she can't fight on, whether it's ice, the forest, rocks, 
lava in hell. She's done it all. She's been there, done that. Uh, on top of that, she's insanely adaptable. Look, put her in any situation, literally any situation. This was the late 90s, kids. There was some weird stuff happening. And all of a sudden, she's fighting demons in hell and fighting Mephistopheles in, a, I guess, a different hell. And then fighting Titans and what have you. And then vampires, kind of, and the vampire gods. And she figured out in every different terrain, every different situation, how to come out on top. Look, what you've got here is a weapons master, a combat master, a superhuman. So far, this sounds like a fantastic fight, not going to lie. All of that is my point number two. All right, I got a lot of things I got to talk about here in a limited amount of time. So first off, James, the reason why Kevin Sorbo said I can't figure out why Xena was portrayed as stronger than Hercules, it's because she was married to the executive producer of the show. I'm going to say right now, if my wife is in a property, she's going to be the strongest person in that property, bar none. Uh, and that's just a, a smart thing to do. A good choice if you're a married person. And James, you were talking before you get sad every time you give a counter argument to Bucky. Well, I get sad every time you open your mouth. So uh, I'll start right there. Now, first off, you say, oh, was he trying to kill the people in the cafeteria scene? He tried to shoot Tony Stark in the face and he just happened to have just enough tech on his hand to cover up the gun and not get shot in the face. So yes, he tried to murder Tony Stark right there. He was also trying to escape, yes, but he didn't have a problem with murdering as it went along. Not that he was trying to do it. And I've watched the gods in these fights in Xena. These are some of the laziest fighters I've ever seen. They usually have one trick and they do it over and over and over again. Xena knocks that trick down so you can shoot one little glowing red fireball at her and then she knocks it away. And if you don't have a new maneuver, She's just going to keep knocking those red glowing fireballs away. And that's how you escape from and defeat these gods. They just don't know how to fight. I give her credit to be resilient, but Bucky knows how to fight. Bucky will come at you with a variety of angles and weapons. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Interesting rebuttal. Okay. Now we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from both Ray and myself, Chris tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Chris has to say, Let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle, right? Which patron do we have today? Today, and I can't believe that with this name, he has not been on the show before that I remember, we've got Bionic Fox. The Bionic Fox is here, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable. Okay, for such a momentous occasion... Let's have them go up against the combined forces of the Constructicons. That's right, Bionic Fox... Have fun with Devastator. Devastator is very, very rough, but here's the issue and here's the problem is you didn't say which version and I'm going to go with what I assume to be the Michael Bay version of Devastator, who is probably the weakest, lamest, dumbest of all of the things. You got to be careful to get the, the, the version of the character right in the boardroom, James, because otherwise a battle can be a stomp in here. The Bionic Fox just walks in the door waves a couple of dollar bills because that's all Michael Bay clearly does is just wave a couple dollar bills around and then a movie just happens. You know, people have argued, is AI going to change everything? I would argue that Michael Bay movies have been using uh, dumb AI to write all their scripts and everything else for the last two decades. So I would say, no, it's just going to be more Michael Bay stuff. The point I'm trying to make here is he's not very good at making Transformers movies. But the real point I'm trying to make here is I don't go see those movies because they're very, very bad. The third point I'm trying to make here is Devastator loses, Bionic Fox wins because AI said so. I think it's a combination of AI and some financial uh, tomfoolery. 
slash hijinks. All right. Well done, Bionic Fox. That was a great fight. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Chris, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, again, it's really close. And I and I have to say, uh, I wasn't uh, aware of how far outside the lines we could color. And then Ray brought up the fact that uh, Lucy Lawless is married to the EP of the show. And I thought, OK, so we can break the fourth wall a little bit. I think uh, Xena suffers in comparison partially because you're dealing with mid to late 90s uh, syndication budgets as far as what they can bring in terms of challenges, as opposed to the kind of limitless coffers of Disney and the MCU. They can throw everything at, uh, at Bucky Barnes, and they have. So it, that, that's in addition to the fact that when you said this is the late 90s, a lot of things were happening. That's true. I mean, Lint Biscuit was popular back then. So <laughs> we're, we're talking about a real hellscape here. Um, <laughs> although I do like a couple of Lint Biscuit songs, not to go too far afield. Anyway, um, I feel no one's like... Judging. Yeah, no, we don't judge here. Uh, I feel like even though Xena has fought gods, true, I've never been witness to these battles. If the gods are kind of one-trick ponies as far as gods go, and then she sort of immediately adapts and then hammers them, and and that's that, okay, maybe that's her limit, or maybe that's the show's budget's limit. So I would have to project what would she do if they had an MCU budget. What would they do with a $200 million Xena Warrior Princess movie? I gotta figure she's gonna be fighting people limitless caliber because that's the realm she moves around in. Now, to be fair, um, I do believe that uh, that Winter Soldier was there to fight against Thanos, who, you know, it's not exactly, not exactly the B team as far as uh, foes go. So, geez, you know, I... I just maybe the Thanos angle alone, I'm going to say he's fought somebody easily as powerful as anyone they've ever thrown at Xena. So right now I would give a slight edge. I would give a slight edge to the Winter Soldier. Mm, just in terms of who they've had to face, what they've had to overcome. More importantly, did you just reveal the next uh, Kickstarter project? <laughs> the Xena, the yeah. motion picture? Yeah, Charter we just budget, need $200 million. million. Are we announcing folks? this? I mean, I mean, hey, we'll shoot I mean, it in New Zealand. Maybe it'll, you know, tax break. Maybe we only need 170. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a month to raise this, right? Not a problem. We yeah. got this. 30 days. Maybe you go 45 days for, for that amount. Maybe 45. Yeah, yeah. that's true. All right, yeah. Ray. I, I still think this is a dead heat, no matter who I says so. what. And uh, this is where I like it. Go ahead. Let's see if you can get the win. Hit us with your point number three. Yeah, I mean, look, he did. I mean, look, he was able to fight and match up against Thanos for a certain period of time. And that's when Thanos had like all six Infinity Stones. So you're not expecting him to necessarily come down with the win there. He did his best to hold him off as long as he could. But at that point, Thanos was too far gone. He murdered Vision, or I think he had maybe five of the stones. He needed the Vision. The point is, he was up there and he was going to be giving anybody a rough time if Xena was there. I also agree. Thanos pushes her away just like he would have pushed away the Winter Soldier. It's just that's where he was at that stage of his movie, right? Anyway, I'm going to keep rolling, 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 rolling here into my point number three and talk about the future tech of the Winter Soldier, because one thing that he has uh, above Xena 
is the time period at which his show takes place, his movies take place in the current like near future of the modern day. Xenas are in sort of a medieval mythological kind of a kingdom, which means that they don't have a lot of the technological advancements that we would have today. So she is relying on swords and other types of like gimmicky hand-to-hand devices. Meanwhile, Bucky the Winter Soldier, I'm just going to say it again. He has a robotic cyborg arm, which makes him a perfect blocker of any sword attack that he has. Xena is right-handed. It is his left metallic arm that is going to be blocking. So every time Xena is going for shots, the arm is in a perfect place to naturally block it and counterattack with whatever he brings. And boy, does he bring a lot of stuff. And that was, and all of that was before Bucky was gifted a vibranium robot arm from Wakanda. If you remember your post credit sequences and what have you, vibranium is something that absolutely will block the arm of uh, Xena's sword out every single time possible. And I don't see an argument against that even happening, but some of the other future tech he's used, he's used a grappling hook. Remember when he was trying to fight Falcon, Falcon tried to hit him and fly away. He was able using his strength and accuracy to shoot the grappling hook, grab Falcon, and then yank him straight back down to the ground again, basically defeating him in that moment alone. He also uses a series of modern firearms that Xena's just not going to know what to do with. We're talking standard military pistols. He's used submachine guns. He's used assault rifles. And he likes to just go between them. He seems like he's carrying all the different guns all the time, just somewhere on his person, like RoboCop. He just reaches down and he's got the pistol. He reaches down and he's got the submachine gun. And these are weapons that Xena's not necessarily going to have answers for because it's not something that she'll be expecting. Bucky it lives in a world where people use swords. Xena does not live in a world where they use grenades, sniper rifles, and assault rifles. Oh, I mentioned grenades. His assault rifle has a grenade under launcher that blew up a police car. He uses these little ball grenades to kind of snuff out people that he's fighting if he thinks that they're hiding. Remember, he rolled it under the car and was able to blow up a car so that he could get Black Widow out of hiding in that fight. A sniper rifle. Why get up close when you could just use a sniper rifle and pick off Xena from a little bit of a distance? If he could get some distance and he is very, very fast, he could just regroup from a high position, shoot the sniper rifle, bring her down at range. But also, grenade launchers. He's got one of those. In fact, this grenade was so powerful that he shot Captain America with the grenade from the grenade launcher, right? Cap threw up the shield to block it. Full block on the grenade, still powerful enough to launch Captain America like off the overpass that they were standing on. It flung him like it ragdoll physics in a video game test. It was absolutely delightful. And the final one, the magnetic explosion launcher. What I'm referring to here is the thing he shot at Nick Fury's car that attached the magnetic exploder underneath Nick Fury's car, right? And then flipped it over and did a lot of damage to it, allowing bad things to happen. What is stopping him from using that device on a piece of metal that Xena has, whether that be her armor or more importantly, her metallic sword? explosion like that against Xena's sword would make her effectively unarmed in a battle against a guy armed with assault rifles, submachine guns, pistols, and grenades. She's going to be in a world of trouble if he figures that out. And he is a great enough fighter that he will, in fact, figure that out. And that's my point number three. Okay, I actually like this point a lot. So finally, you've done justice to to Winter Soldier Ray. Congratulations on that. Now, here's the thing. In terms of you know machine guns, and rapid fire attacks. Xena throughout the series has fought w- against opponents 
who have magical attacks, what I call magical rapid fire attacks that can shoot her from a distance, rapid fire with blasts of whatever energy they're throwing at the time. Remember, in the world she lives in or exists within, there's magic, there's sorcery, there's supernatural. So she has to be ready to take on all of that at any time. Massive explosions. Yeah, she's used to that. Again, with any type of attack that comes her way. They did have explosions and I guess some type of gunpowder, whatever, back then. I'm not saying it's the equivalent of Winter Soldier, but they did have it. On top of that, uh, you know, Xena's also insanely hard to hit. And this is something that got underplayed in the show. So the only time she really gets hit by an arrow is when she wants to get hit by an arrow. Really cool episode. I'm not going to spoil this one. Check it out. It's the season fin- or series finale of that uh, of the scene of Xena. Check it out. She gets hit by arrows only because she chooses to do so because so, there's a bigger purpose behind that. Other than that, she's not getting hit by stuff, whether it's a sword up close, you know, punches, whatever, or explosions or magical blasts of energy. She's getting out of the way because she knows how to do it. Again, insanely hard to hit. And she's used to that kind of um, rapid fire attack. That's what she does. That's why she was a warlord and survived for so long. And now she's on her own, still doing great things. But let me get to my point number three. And this is all going to become very, very clear. So my point number three, let's talk about some big wins and a key component to Xena's fighting style. So Xena's beaten the vampire race, not one or two, but the vampire race known as the Bacchus. Uh, I don't know why I call the Bacchus. And use her sword to kill Bacche, Bacche, I guess, B-A-C-C-H-A-E, Bacche, who was their god. I didn't name this. It's an official name of a god. And again, these are just portrayed as larger-than-life vampires who are spreading their vampirism all around this town. Xena took them all on, saved people, and then killed the vampire god. So she kind of killed the Dracula equivalent in her universe. She defeated massive creatures and monsters. Again, she decapitated kaiju-sized skeleton dragons, all that kind of stuff I mentioned earlier. Uh, In terms of uh, wins over titans, she faced off against the titans in an episode called Titanomaki, to put this into perspective, Titans in Xena's world were kaiju-sized beings bigger than kaijus who were at war with the Olympian gods for some reason. She fought and overcame Hera, the queen of the gods and wife of Zeus. In the episode God-fearing Child, Xena, I guess, thwarted her plans to kill her, Xena's unborn child, and had to actually beat her to do so. That's crazy. She killed the Egyptian god Anubis by slicing him in half of the torso. I mentioned that before. She even decapitated and killed Mephistopheles. If you're going to go up against an opponent, and it was in his realm of hell, I guess, but it was definitely in his realm, if you're going to kill a powerful opponent in their realm, you take out Mephistopheles, you're on kind of a whole different level. Uh, You know, she also, small little fun fact, I don't know if this is even important, she defeated Ares, the actual god of war, and she defeated him a number of times. She uh, outsmarted him in some of the wins, she overpowered him in some of the other wins, and she was able to resist his attempts to kind of position her, manipulate her, the whole thing. Like, this is someone who can outdo the god of war at what the god of war does, which is god-level war things. But let's talk about the fighting techniques that will really give Xena the advantage. I've been kind of, I mentioned before, but this is the key one. It's actually called the touch of death. This is a fun one. So the touch of death is two quick jabs with fingertips to either side of the front of an opponent's neck. And this touch of death leads to the person dying within about 30 seconds. The only way to stop it is if that same person who hit the touch of death reverses the strikes and kind of undoes whatever it did. And this is something Xena will not be reversing. She also has a heart destruction nerve pressure point strike to the chest with her fingertips, which kills a person with seconds. And yes, before Ray brings this up, it can be done through thick clothing and also armor. This is really cool. And you know what's even crazier? She's done this death touch to um, this one equivalent of the show on Xena. I'm just going to have to go ahead and do this. There's a, a Thanos equivalent to power on the Xena show. It was a character known as Archangel Michael, 
who no one could touch him. He was way more powerful than Hercules and all the Greek gods. It was just something crazy. They're kind of leaning towards Christianity, if you can tell in that show. And the Death Touch worked on him. It will definitely absolutely work on the Winter Soldier, regardless of what he's wearing, whatever. So here's how this fight goes. They face off. They both quickly analyze what's going on. The battle is insane. This is worthy of a pay-per-view, at least $100, $120. Everyone's coming to my house for a barbecue watching this on the big screen. Anyway, as this fight's going, Winter Soldier's getting some amazing shots on Xena, but Xena's just getting pissed off, pardon my language, and starts hacking into the Winter Soldier. Now, Winter Soldier, you know, is using his arm, his enhanced arm from Wakanda, which is awesome, and she's quickly getting the hint. After a long, prolonged battle where she escapes all of the blasts from the gun, you know, the explosions from the grenade launch and everything, Winter Soldier actually gets on close and gets on top of Xena, pins her to a wall, and kind of is ready to finish her, and that's when Xena hits him with the death touch. Pop, pop. Done. All of a sudden, she lured Z she lured Winter Soldier in. She hits some close range. He hits the ground 30 seconds. She walks off, but not before congratulating him on an epic battle. That's why Winter Soldier loses. That's why Xena wins, because she's that crafty and awesome. That's my point number three. This is an absolutely outrageous uh, attempt at a point that you're making here, James. A, a touch of death that she has to be really in close to do. I've said before, she's not a particularly fast fighter. It just so works out to her that people in her universe on her show are also not very quick fighters as well. Again, we're trying to pad for television. I guess if you have a weird situation against the cyborg ninja assassin where he stops to let you uh, put your fingers on his neck, yeah, I guess something could happen, but Bucky's not going to let that happen when we even see anything close to that happen. Even when Thanos put him down, it wasn't uh, like, uh, like that, right? And she gets hit all the time. You talk about a lot of the dodging. I've seen her in close combat. She takes shots. She gives shots. It's it's a little arduous at times. It's very slow. And so you're going to argue that, oh, how is he going to hit her? He's going to hit her easily and often, and often with a weapon, like a pistol, submachine gun, assault rifle. Remember, she lost of her first battle to Kevin Sorbo. To, you lose to Kevin Sorbo in anything, whether it's a Twitter argument or on his own television show, there's a little pinch of shame that happens right there. Hercules, at one point, she shot a spinny disc uh, device that she had with one of her wild weapons, and he just picked up a rock, and he redirected it back at her with a rock. This uh, Allegedly, her weapons cut gods, but rocks you could pick up off the ground can deflect the weapons as well. You make it make sense, James Gavsey. Metallic arm defends against all of this. What's really going to happen is they're going to meet, they're going to fight, because he said, no witnesses, I'm going to go with that story. And he's going to see her fighting, and he's like, okay, she's very strong, they're going to get in close, she's going to take her sword, she's going to scream a handful of times, and he's going to be calm, collected, because unlike Xena, he doesn't need to tap into that berserker strength, he has the inner strength already inside of him, he doesn't need to take it to a level, right, in order to make anything happen. And all he's going to do is he's going to play around with her fighting for a little bit, and then he's going to see her, and it's going to be a lot like that Indiana Jones versus the guy with the sword. He's going to play around, they're going to parry, and they're going to chain for a little bit, and then he's going to step back and go, I've had enough, submachine gun, put down Xena, she's done, he walks away safely, and that's the end of the story. I mean, these are both great stories. I like to watch both of these stories, by the way, more mine than yours. Be an epic now, fight. before... Here we go. Now, Chris, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between the Winter Soldier and Xena. I'm going to call back to my first time on this show with Hitman and Kingpin. I was leaning Kingpin the entire time. 
And then I got flipped at the end because of one particular point. Hitman doesn't get in fights he can't win. He's literally never lost a fight. And I just imagine, okay, well, the fight wouldn't happen unless Hitman wanted it to. That was the fulcrum for me. But here I can't necessarily say that. I can't necessarily say there is a particular circumstance in which this fight happens that favors one over the other. On the one hand, yes, Bucky, Winter Soldier, has superior technology. I mean, he lives in a different, a different realm. He lives in a different time. He, he has access to more technology. And yet, Xena constantly fights gods. And I am reminded of the Sir Arthur Clarke line, any sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic. And so I think that's a level playing field. She's fighting gods, which, you project that into today's time, would be like highly advanced technology. Now, Winter Soldier fought against Thanos in Thanos' realm, which at that point was just anywhere in the universe because he had the Infinity Gauntlet. But at the same time, Xena has fought against, what, uh, <laughs> Mephistopheles in hell? I mean, I, I, I gotta tell you, it is, it is practically a coin flip. On the one hand, yes, maybe Xena does kind of come off as slower than uh, the Winter Soldier. But on the other hand, she's clearly stronger. On the one hand, he could step back and pull out a weapon and fire a projectile at her. On the other hand, she faces projectiles all the time. Yes, maybe they're not as fast as bullets, but on the other hand, she fights gods. I mean, I'm sure she's seen a lightning bolt or two in her time. So, uh, yes, on the one hand, she can cut a god in half, and on the other hand, uh, Hercules can redirect it with a rock. I'm just going to put that down to lazy writing for that particular episode. And that was not the Xena writing. That was Hercules writing. And I also have to admit, anyone that pisses off Kevin Sorbo for any amount of time is, uh, is a hero in my book. So um, <laughs> it's coin flip, but I got to say, I got to go with Xena on this one. I think just she inherently is going to be a little bit stronger. And there you have it. It was the death touch, wasn't it? It was the amazing use of the death touch martial arts technique. Wasn't that the case? Go ahead. You can say it. I, I think it was more the annoys Kevin Sorbo touch that uh, That's fair. probably I mean, is something that not even a Winter Soldier can claim to have done. So <laughs> that's fair. They're that's, kind of the same that's thing. That's a weapon that no one else seems to have in their quiver, unless you're really good at Twitter, which I am not. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Listen, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken. I'm not really, because after last week's debacle of an episode where uh, I had some words with Executive VP Brent Pope after that outrageous decision he gave, I knew we had to have a fair battle today where both of us could come in with our A game with an absolutely insanely great judge and justice has been served. Love Winter Soldier, but you got to give it to Xena, the warrior princess, just an icon beyond icon. I am beyond happy. Race to Canis, you did a great job again. Tell the Legion of Audience how you're feeling right now. You don't need under any circumstances to just gotta give it to Xena. Let me just start right there. <laughs> I disagree wholeheartedly. I know that our judge is being cheeky about the annoy Kevin Sorbo point. I would say that James, you made some excellent points uh, defending Xena today. I would say that if it was true, but I cannot unfortunately say that and maintain personal dignity at the same time. Chris, 
I want people to go out and do your Kickstarter. I want them to buy your book. But unfortunately, you got it wrong today. <laughs> you got it so, so wrong. Xena is far too slow. I made that point a lot. And unfortunately, it didn't stick with our judge. She fights gods. She fights lazy gods. She fights that. Remember that god at the beginning of the Gore the God Butcher uh, 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 movie, right? Uh, uh, who even was the star of that movie? Who cares? The point I'm trying to make Christian here Bale. is that that Christian Bale, well, of course, yeah, but I don't even remember who the hero was who fought him. Oh, Thor Ragnarok, right? No, the other one. I don't care. You got me flustered right now. Love and Thunder was the movie <laughs> with Thor. And it, all those gods that were hanging around were so lazy that Thor was able to throw a lightning bolt through Russell Crowe's fat Zeus and bring him down. Listen, if that's the level of God we're talking about here, Xena and Winter Soldier could beat him by the dozen. All right, thank you. Disagree completely. Great judge. I liked your verdict. I liked the fact you got a little cheeky with it. But at the end of the day, no, <laughs> Zena does not win this fight. All I heard was that Ray said he liked your verdict. So we're on the same page. <laughs> Ray said. And I both liked your verdict. This is fantastic. All right. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, yet again, you hit it out of the park. Fantastic analysis, and you bring so much knowledge and experience and expertise to, to judges. Thank you for doing that. Uh, in the meantime, tell our Legion of Audience where they can find you online. And one more time, a big shout out for your Kickstarter campaign. Uh, yes. Thanks again, guys. Uh, I believe now with my two appearances, it's it's Ray one, James one. Uh, Ray, did you Correct. not take uh, uh, Hitman in the uh, last one? I did, and in my mind, I'm 2-0 right now. 2-0, okay, gotcha. Well, in your mind, that's really the only important thing there, isn't it? But, uh, yes, uh, you can you can find the Kickstarter, uh, Soldier of Ages Tetan Hall, and we are right around funded uh, as of this moment. Uh, somebody, maybe, who knows, maybe they were watching and listening and we didn't know, but uh, somebody put me over the top while we were watching. But keep adding those, uh, those uh, pledges, folks. We got to overfund just so we're safe. But yes, you can also find me on Twitter for now. I'll probably leave that hellscape before the end of the year. But um, yeah, uh, you can find me at, at Chris Edgerly on Twitter, but also chrisedgerly.com. I got a full on website. You can track my comings and goings. And I do uh, have a YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. And uh, also, I will have to have you guys on that YouTube sometime, interview the two of you. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, Who would win in an interview? Ray Stekanis or James Gavsey? That's going to be good. Seems yeah. pretty obvious where I'm sitting, but yeah. you know, we could have fun with it. Yes, and I do uh I do stream on Twitch uh 3 days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We do a Creativity Thursday where we celebrate whatever creative expressions my Discord community has. You can find me on Discord as well. And we also on Friday we play Apex just for funsies, get in private lobbies. And on Saturday I just have coffee and donuts and talk about whatever. So, it's a chill stream. But more than anything, I, I want you guys to just keep listening to uh, Ray and James go at it. They have the kind of fights that we should be having in today's society, folks. Civil yet spirited. Thank you. Where James wins, but he listens to Ray's opinion at the same time. Thank you very much for that, Chris. All right. <laughs> Ray Stacanus, another great match on your part. You just debated insanely well. Your game is probably at its peak. You came up a little bit short, but you should not feel ashamed whatsoever in getting yet another loss. Tell the Legion of Audience or fan base where they can find you online. James Gavsey, I was at my peak when I came out of the womb. How dare you right now? I've been great. 
I will be great. I'm always great. How dare you even pretend I should be feeling bad about the great performance I just put on. The problem is, instead of having to convince 99.99% of all listeners, like I do every single week, who tell me every single week that I won, that's basically everybody who matters, I unfortunately only have to convince one judge in the room. Sometimes two, but usually just one judge in the room, and you have that close-up magic that intoxicating mind fog that pulls them into your corner. If we did this where you weren't allowed to look at the person in the eyes while we were doing the show, I would win every single time we do this show because my facts stand up for themselves. Now, I'm going to say right now, warm blankets are an important thing, especially given wintertime, but even now in a world like today, a warm blanket, something you put over yourself to shield you, from the, from the outside conditions. You, at the end of the day, you have a rough day. You want to put on a warm blanket and go to bed. Sometimes a warm blanket could be your favorite TV show when things aren't going very, very well. Sometimes a warm blanket can be your favorite food when you're having a down day and you order that one special dish that brings your, your funk back, if you know what I'm saying. My warm blanket in this moment is knowing that I have a winning record with the Fast and Furious characters on the Who Would Win show, and most notably, Fast and Furious crew versus King Kong last week. That will be my warm blanket for a very, very long time that I can wrap myself in like it's a tauntaun and live in forever. You know, I went with you on that journey. It was, it was, it was good. I, I get what you're saying. That was a great win last week on your part, Race to Canis. Don't worry. Today's win, I think, got to you a little bit as well. We'll see what happens. As always, it was a great debate. Now, listen, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race to Canis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would win we'll see you next time when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! And Knowing is Half the Podcast. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.